Well, we are um, going to talk about uh, something today that we're calling here, near, and far. Here, near, and far. Um, and we're going to be in, in Luke chapter 24 and Acts chapter 1 today. And I won't bother to distribute Bibles because the way we're seated is a little awkward. But I will have everything on screen uh, for you today as we as we go, just to make it easier. But I want to talk about a beautiful disruption. Now, you wouldn't normally think those two words would go together. Beautiful disruption. Now, would you agree with me that life is, is often at its best when it's disrupted? In, 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 sometimes in, in surprising ways, sometimes in very difficult and painful ways. In the moment of the disruption, it does not feel good and you wish it would end and go away. But then in hindsight, you can see how it developed you as a person or affected your character. Um, a beautiful disruption. For example, just where you're sitting today, if you normally attend this church, you know that how you're seated today is a, is a disruption to your routine. And some of you are feeling very misplaced right now, and you're feeling awkward, and you're wondering, where is my chair anyway? Right? You're, you, you, it's confusing. But I'm promising you it's a beautiful disruption because there's a promise of a turkey dinner at the end of this. Alright? I hope we actually get to start smelling it because, oh, um, excited. Um, yeah. Um, or maybe this last Friday evening, we, we hosted a, a great big, huge college choir and orchestra here. It was really, it was honestly very, very good. And uh, Becky and I put up six guys for the night. Um, that, that was a disruption to our lives. But you know what? We were better for it. We had a great time uh, hosting these, these choir guys in our house. To be, a, to be a follower of Jesus means your life will have beautiful disruptions. Or you will at least have the opportunity for them in a, in a few ways, at least. One way might be that the disruption um, of people who enter your life, but by whom you're enriched in some way. That's kind of the incoming way. There, there's another sort of incoming way of, of, of opportunities that events and circumstances bring that encourage or stretch or challenge or shape or move you in some way. That's another kind of beautiful disruption. A third way that I would talk about, and this is kind of where we're going to focus today, is the disruption of an outward flow from your life. The command to go, the invitation to give, the opportunity to help and serve and live as a Christ follower. Live primarily for the benefit of others rather than primarily for the benefit of yourself. That's the call of the Christ follower. That's what we're going to focus in on today. Like I said, I've got two passages of Scripture. So keeping in mind, the Bible is not a book, it's a library. And two of these books that were written by the same guy, one's called Luke, or we call it sometimes called Luke's Gospel, or the Gospel according to Luke. And then another book's called Acts, or called the Acts of the Apostles. Luke wrote both of those books. And we're going to read two passages that actually cover the same event, but the same author records them or reports them in different ways, which is kind of an interesting kind of, you know, way to help understand how the Bible, we know that's true, that some very realistic things. You ever told the same story in a different way, depending on the audience? Yeah, that's what's happening here. So if you've got a Bible with you or you can follow along on the screen, you're going to go to Luke chapter 24 
and we're going to start at verse 44. And around here, we like to stand when we read the Bible together, just as a sign of respect and appreciation for uh, the Bible and for God's word to us. So if you've got, uh, find your way to Luke 24s, the big numbers are always the chapter, the small numbers are the verses. So we're 24, verse 40. He says, when um, Jesus said, when I was with you, before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. What would the equivalent today would be for us, the Old Testament. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. This is the message. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. And then Jesus led them to Bethany. And lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. So they worshipped him, and then they returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy, and they spent all their time in the temple praising God. A couple of verses I just really want you to catch, in particular 47, that he's talking about this message that's going to be proclaimed to, to all nations starting in Jerusalem, and then he, verse 49, and you'll receive power, but stay here until you receive power from the Holy Spirit. Okay, work with me over to Acts chapter 1. You skip over John's Gospel, and then you'll be at Acts. In Acts chapter 1, we start at verse 4. And again, this is right after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And verse 4 says, Once, when he, that's Jesus, was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore the kingdom? And he replied, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after saying this, he was taken up, into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken away from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Praise God for his word. Let's be seated together. Every follower of Jesus has been called to live on a mission. A mission. You're probably familiar with the term missionary, right? Part of that word. Simply means a person who has been sent on a mission. Well, a mission is to be sent out with a task and or a message. We're all on mission. The, the same root word is used in the word missive. That's the old, kind of old-timey word for a letter that you wrote with kind of instructions. Sent out. Missionary. Every follower of Jesus is on mission, which means that we are a missional people. We have not been saved to sit at home and get comfortable. Right? Call it an adventure. 
Call it a journey, a quest, a mission, whatever. It's the same. You've been commissioned, commissioned, sent out with a task and a message by someone else's command or authority. It's not your own mission. It's a co-mission sent by Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Okay, so why do this? Well, besides the fact that he commanded it? Well, because simply Jesus did. Jesus was on mission and we emulate, we, we copy, we model after Jesus. Jesus left his home in heaven to be with us for our salvation. So we leave our comfort with the goal of others' salvation. You know, in just a few years from now, Jesus is coming back. He promised that he would return. The angel said he's coming back. And we will stand before him. And those who have trusted Jesus will receive eternal life. Those who have put their faith in him for forgiveness of sins. If that's not you, I'd encourage you to do that today. Put your faith in Jesus for forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive eternal life. And all who reject Jesus, now whether intentionally or unintentionally, all who reject Jesus, those who choose not to follow him, will be eternally separated and suffer eternal torment. Because they have chosen separation from God. There's no middle ground. Now, this morning, we're going to feature some ways, practical ways, that you can live on mission in your life. Here, near or far. And I I, I don't know if I should do this again, but I did the first service. It didn't occur to me just until I was sharing this this morning that it's a bit like Sesame Street. Remember Grover? Far. Near. Far. All right. We're going to talk about... Yeah. My ankle's getting a lot better. Some of you are asking about that. So, all right. So, we have been called on a mission here, near, and far. You'll never be able to watch Sesame Street again without thinking about that. And the things we're going to talk about today are simply examples, simply starting points, prompts, really, to motivate us to either go, to pray, or to give. And that's, that's what it's all, that all those things are required to live on mission. So, before we get to some people here on stage who are going to give us some opportunities, I want to make a couple comments about Acts chapter 1, the, the second passage that we read. Because I want to admit with you that living on mission may be costly. It may be, and often is, difficult. It is truly disruptive to your life. Right? You, and we saw it in those verses that, that, we, that we read from the very moment that Jesus sent out his followers. We, can, we know that living on mission is disruptive for at least, at least three reasons. One is our plans have to change. Our plans have to change. Yesterday, a bunch of folks were here starting the build for Bethlehem. Whatever plans they had yesterday, they changed so they could be here on mission for Jesus. I want you to put your sandals, put your sandals on, put yourself in the sandals of the apostles for a moment, right? You took, imagine that you're them. You took a huge risk to follow Jesus. You listened to his teaching. You, you learned what he, from what he had to say. You joined in the ministry. You got to actually heal the sick and cast out demons yourself. You helped feed multitudes of people. You saw Jesus walk on water and calm storms. You, you were there, front line. You experienced it all. 
And it was awesome. And then Jesus was suddenly gone, out of sight, out of the picture, crucified and buried, finished. And you aren't sure what to do, but you are very afraid. And then Jesus is back, alive, raised from the dead. Okay. Only to disappear again and return to heaven and and not give you a, a date for his return. Now, how would you know what to do? How would you know what to think right now? I mean, wouldn't the obvious thing be to just go home? Like, if that was me, I'd be like, I need to go think about this for a while. I need some time to put all this together. I, I don't know what to think about all this. I'm going to go home and just relax. It's been a pretty stressful three years. I need a little sabbatical, right? Except Jesus didn't say, hey, it's been, it's been a slice, guys. So I want you to go home. I'll see you when I come back. He didn't say that. Jesus effectively said, I'm leaving and now it's your turn. Kind of like that time, you know, maybe like your first job or or a summer job you had as a kid. And the boss said, I want you to do this, this and this and gave you all the instructions and quickly showed you what to do and said, you got it. And you said, yep, got it. And the boss left. Okay, I'll see you at lunch. And you thought. I don't got it now. And you had to sort of stumble your way through and and figure it out. I, I wonder if that's how they were feeling. Right. And Jesus said, wait here in Jerusalem until you receive power from above. Wait here. They didn't live in Jerusalem. That wasn't their home. I mean, what, what could that mean? Wait here. Uh, well, what about my family? What about the fishing business? Right? What about my, what about my son's birthday party or my wife's great cooking? Oh, I really miss that. This is crazy to wait here. But when you live on mission, be ready for Jesus to change your plans. Wait here. Go there. Listen to this person. Make that phone call. Write this check. Slow down and, and help this individual over here. Let Jesus disrupt your plans. That's part of what it means to live on mission. Because if he's in charge of your life, we just sang a song, Jesus be the center of my life. Then he's, if he's in charge of your life, he's in charge of your calendar too. And all your days. Well, another reason mission is disruptive is because our questions aren't always answered. Our questions aren't always answered. Look at verses 6 and 7. Right. Um, He says the apostles were with Jesus. They kept asking, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And he replied, the father alone has the authority to set those dates. You know, this question had been just a burning question for them for years already. And they just wanting been wanting an answer. And Jesus just says, sorry, guys, not for you to know. You don't get an answer to this question. And if we're going to take seriously the call to follow Jesus, we simply will not have all the answers. I don't have them and you don't have them. And you won't get some of your biggest questions answered until Jesus returns. Right? Sometimes all you're going to get is, sorry child, not for you to know. And that's hard. That's really hard sometimes. Some of you have gotten through things and you just think, I, I, Lord, really? Like, when will you answer this? And he says, not for you to know. Can you be okay with following Jesus 
even if your biggest answers are never resolved? Would you be okay to live with that kind of ambiguity? Can you trust that the Lord has his reasons? So, to follow Jesus missionally means that your plans are going to change. Your questions aren't always going to answer. And one more, that the task is ongoing or your task is unfinished. Verse 8, Jesus says, When you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, Jerusalem, Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Our task is ongoing. Life on mission is not a, a one-time event. Those are, those are ever-widening circles of mission. And true, the church has pretty much covered the globe with the message of Jesus, with the gospel. The, the, the work of Bible translation, of, of translating the Bible into people's heart languages, is getting pretty close to being done. Relatively speaking, it's getting there. We've got ways to go, but it's getting there. So you think, oh, we should be just about done. But then each new generation needs to hear and respond to the gospel for themselves in a way that they understand, in a way that they can relate to, in a way that they can appreciate. The reality, for example, here in the West, is that entire generations have been led away from faith and into humanism and self-salvation. So our task, my task and your task, is to communicate the good news all over again, but in a way that they understand. And that task is urgent. As long as people are being born onto this planet, the task of mission grows. It's an ongoing challenge. Mission is never ending. So yes, it's disruptive to realize that our work will not be complete until Jesus returns. What a calling, right? Hey, I've got a great opportunity for you. Your plans are going to change. Your questions won't get answered. And the job's never done. What are we waiting for? Right? Sign me up. And as a bonus, you might lose everything and you might die for the cause. How about that? Next week, we're going to focus in on the persecuted church. And we're going to watch the story of a, of a South African family who, who just recently, in the last couple of years, were killed in Afghanistan. Simply for being followers of Jesus. It's happened for happened to all the, almost all the disciples. Yeah, it's happened for centuries to believers throughout the last two thousand years, just for obeying Jesus. Plans change, questions won't be answered, the job's not done, and you might die. Friends, a life on mission will be a life of beautiful disruption, which means it's going to be worth it for all eternity. You as a believer, you are scattered through our community. You are serving God as teachers, as business people, employers, coaches, students, wherever you are. The Lord has already placed you on mission for Him. But we're going to talk about some other opportunities. It's sometimes been said that we, we can't all do the same thing, but we can all do something. We can't do the same thing, but we can all do something. So what's your part in the missional life? What is it? 